Chapter 19 of Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mary Ann. Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson. Chapter 19 Foolishness. It was the opinion of the wise men of Israel that even though a fool be brayed in a mortar, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. And even men who are not fools often fall into forms of folly from which it is well-nigh impossible to deliver them. For instance, beginning a speech with an apology is a piece of nonsense unprovoked and inexcusable, but if you wish to break a man of that habit, he must be caught young. There are ministers who seem incapable of giving an address without an elaborate explanation of their inability to do justice to the theme or the occasion. But why squander time in announcing what will become perfectly clear before one sits down? When a man is allotted a limited number of minutes in which to unfold an important subject, it is his business to begin at once upon his task, and not squander people's time in wearisome explanations of his inadequate preparation, or with egotistic intimations of the wonderful things he could do if he had only been given a fair opportunity. It was a shrewd reader of the human heart who said that an apology is only egotism turned wrong side out. But the apologetic devil has a method in his madness beyond the reach of reason. The larger the subject and the shorter the time, the surer is our excuse-making brother to enter upon minute lamentations over the limitations under which he must speak. When the program is extended and every moment is golden, the explanatory dunce is at his best. It is then that he performs prodigies in the way of murdering time and multiplying words. Instead of plunging into his subject without a syllable of explanation, and packing into the fleeting moments the solid gold of his thought, he uses up the patience of his hearers and his own opportunity to prove himself a sensible man. Every theological student on his graduation day ought to paste in his hat the stern dictum of Emerson. No sensible man ever made an apology. This sort of tomfoolery may be carried into the pulpit where it manifests itself in long-drawn-out introductions, and exhausting preparations for great things which never come. If a man cannot say anything in the first ten minutes of his sermon, he ought to drop the first ten and begin with the second ten. Even when the introduction is excellent, it may be out of all proportion to the argument it leads up to, Building the porch larger than the house is a blunder peculiar to the builders of sermons. It is at the beginning and ending that one is most tempted to waste time. Such expressions as, in conclusion, finally, one word more, are forms of speech not only useless but full of mischief. What is gained by telling a congregation that the end is drawing near? When the one word more becomes like the widow's cruise of oil, the hearts of the faithful faint within them. A blunderbuss after saying, finally, is sure to catch a glimpse of a new idea, and straightway pursuing this, he will forget all about the promise he has made his hearers, and will go off on expeditions more extended than any ventured on in the body of his discourse. A sermon with two finalies in it is a monstrosity and a plague, let the preacher speak right on with full momentum till he stops. On railway trains it may be necessary on approaching stations to whistle down brakes. 
In the house of God the sermonic train may be brought to an unannounced and instantaneous stop without fatality. Humor is a rich gift of heaven, and fortunate is the man to whom it has been given in abundance. A little nonsense now and then is relished by all sorts of men, including preachers. Pleasantries and happy hits and jokes, unstained and stingless. These are not unbecoming at proper times in a spiritual leader of men. But when a man is so full of funny stories that his stories are in greater demand than his sermons, it is time for him to reflect. The ability to keep a dinner party in a roar is not to be despised. Neither is the sobriety essential to influencing men in their attitude toward noble things to be neglected. Many a man in trying to be a jolly good fellow has abdicated his position as leader of the higher life of his parish. There is one sort of fun in which a minister should never indulge, and that is fun in which the Bible plays the part of the clown. A Bible sentence joked about becomes a withered leaf on the tree of life. The preacher can never use it for healing a soul in whose presence he has done his joking. Shallow and godless men may indulge in stories and conundrums in which the words of saints and prophets are prostituted to the frivolous task of provoking laughter. But this is hardly proper for a man who is dependent on these very words for food supplies with which to feed the deepest hungers of his people. The noblest words are always most delicate and lose their bloom when played with by the tongues of punsters. A sentence of Christ may be so stained by the breath of laughter, and so wrapped round with grotesque and sordid associations, as to lose for ever to the Christian the high and holy music with which it once came freighted to the soul. Many of us on looking through our Bible find sentences here and there which some joker in our presence once twisted into a lower meaning, and which can never be to us all they might have been, had they never been blasted by a joke. A minister who sports with the Bible in the homes of his people need not be surprised to find them indifferent to its beauties when he invites them to study it on Sunday. Men who shrink from the profane handling of the Scriptures do not hesitate, in many cases, to deal jocosely with noble feelings and lofty thoughts. There is a trick of passing from the sublime to the ridiculous, of reading frivolous meanings into stately words, of giving soaring sentences a downward twist, of dragging down high things to low levels, which is often cultivated because of the hilarity produced by it in circles incapable of appreciating higher forms of wit, but which when indulged in by the preacher is one of the most ruinous of blunders. There are ministers who have lost all helpful influence over the men who have come closest to them solely because of this fatal habit of cheapening the most sacred objects of thought by the profane sportiveness of the mind. The man who jokes straight through the week will be suspected of joking on Sunday. If he constantly reads ridiculous meanings into sober words in the presence of those who enjoy his intimate acquaintance, these persons will read jocose interpretations into the stateliest periods of his most earnest sermons. By acting the fool so constantly when out of the pulpit, he will seem to be playing the same role even when preaching the crucifixion or celebrating the Last Supper. Alas for the man who is so incorrigibly and irresistibly funny that even in the pulpit he seems less of a prophet than a clown. End of chapter 19